Let's turn our Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. And as you're doing that, I want to welcome you a happy birthing person's day. Have you heard about this nonsense that's going on? That uh, in, in the name of including everyone and offending no one, it started with Mr. Potato Head, right? Was that offensive or what? So now it's just Potato Head. There's no Mr. or Mrs. We're all inclusive. So happy birthing person's day. I'm serious. This is on the news. It's cancer culture's way of having gender denial. It doesn't stop there. <laughs> this is too, you can't make this up. It's no longer called breastfeeding moms. It is chest feeding. So I realize that's PG-13. That's as far as we're going to go. But, but your children are growing up in this kind of society, this kind of nonsense. It's, see, I read this and I go, did somebody have a contest of just how stupid we can get? And they didn't tell me because this is Romans chapter 1, verse 22, where it says, professing to be wise, they became fools. But we're going to say happy Mother's Day. Moms, how do you, trick question, trick question, how do you raise godly cakey, godly kids in an ungodly world? You don't. You raise animals, okay? You raise pigs and goats and chickens. You train up a child in the way he should go, according to the book of Proverbs. Now, some of you moms have looked at your kids' bedrooms and think, I think I am raising some pigs. It's a lot easier to raise pigs than it is kids because pigs, goats, chickens, you don't like them? Barbecue time. You can't do that with your kids. It's a lot harder. So some people, this is their least favorite day of the year. Person in question is my wife's sister, Cindy, who's been with the Lord now for 10 years. She wouldn't go to church on Mother's Day. It just hurts so bad. Her desire as a married woman was to have kids and try as they may. Her and her husband never, never did have children. And so this is her least favorite day. My heart goes out for the Cindy's among us this morning. That, uh, man, I'm glad you're here. We salute you that you're here. I realize this could be a, a, a reminder of an unfulfilled dream, of an unfulfilled desire. Um, I, I have actually entertained canceling or ignoring this day. Years ago, six years ago, when my, my wife's mom died, the day after her death was one of the hardest days of our marriage, probably the hardest. And I thought, do we just, and it was right before May, or Mother's Day, do we just cancel this? You know, I heard for those who never had kids, and, and uh, no, because in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson said the second Sunday of, of May should be Mother's Day. And he said it's for the public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country, and so we, let's not fail to appreciate that. Moms, could you stand up? We want to pray for you. No shame. Can you stand up? We love you. We honor you. We appreciate you. Oh! What? They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Guys, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your plan. Your plan of men, women, marriage, children, families. We salute these ladies. 
we love on them. They're underappreciated, overworked, and underpaid. We pray your best for them, Lord, that at least for this day, they'd be blessed beyond measure. May you bless them in the name of Jesus Christ as only you know how. May you show them your love. May you surprise them with your favor today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. Okay, now there's also, this is for moms and mother figures and how they figure in our lives. I had a mother figure in, in senior high. In 12th grade, I, I went by the name Duke. Uh, it was the first day of 12th grade, and they're going around the room, and they're going, oh, William, do you want to be called Bill? Thomas, do you want to be called Tom? And I'm just bored, because Stangle is always in the back, always at the end with the S. So she says, Michael, do you want to be called Mike? And I said, no, Duke will do. She calls me Duke to this day. Everybody, my, my good friends back in Maryland, they still call me Duke to this day. But one day, I wanted to join the Marines. I was 17. I was going to graduate high school. And Vietnam was in full swing. And I thought, wow, what a, what a giant thing to do is join the Marines, go to Vietnam, expose myself to Agent Orange and all that stuff. And so I went to the, take the test. I took the test. I did the all-day, you know, testing that they do. And, and at the end of the day, the guy, the, the guy trying to get me to sign up goes, you tested really high. We'll make you whatever you want to be. Just sign here. And as he turned the paper, I'm on this side, he, opposite sides of the table. He turns the paper, uh, the, the contract, to get me to sign. And I notice he's shaking his hand. And I go, oh, he doesn't think I'm going to sign. Up until that second, I'm ready to sign. And all of a sudden, I thought, he doesn't want me. To, he doesn't think I'll sign. I wonder if my girlfriend will miss me. And so I go, I need another week. It was during that week that this teacher, I'm embarrassed I don't remember her name, but she called me Duke. She sees me in the hallway one day and says, hey, come over here. Don't join the Marines and go to Vietnam. It will destroy you. I was shocked. She said, now, Bill Reed, he needs to join the Army. Bill Reed was the lead singer in our band who was trying to outdo everybody with LSD. And Bill Reed did join the Army, and he's now a Baptist preacher. I heard her advice. She became a mother figure in my life. God used her to speak into my life. That's what a mother figure does. So for, mahalo to you moms, aunties, and mother figures. It's another something special that God is doing here in North Shore Christian Fellowship. We need every one of you. We need you to be salt and light and in love with Jesus, in love with his people. All right, so things that mom taught us. Foresight. Did your mom ever teach you this? Mike, make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. Thanks, mom. Uh, to this day, I'm proud to say I still wear clean underwear. I know, TMI, but, uh, you know, yesterday I ordered about four or five more packs on Amazon. Just, you can never have enough clean underwear. Just uh, with uh, Amazon Live Prime, it should get here by the end of the sermon. But uh, I keep some in the glove box just in case. But, Mom, thank you. Thank you so much. Mom's taught us about prayer. I'm sure you heard this one. You better pray. That comes out of the carpet. Oh, that's, okay. How about time travel? Did your mom teach you about time travel? Mike, 
you better straighten up. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. That's time travel. It's very effective. Obviously, you didn't have that one, but, uh, oh, contradictions. Are you kidding me? Shut your mouth and eat your veggies. I'm not trying, Mom. How about this contortionism? My favorite. Will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? Contort, I'm trying. I just, but you expected me to do that. Now, moms, I need you to help me with this last one. It's called the circle of life. You know what it is. I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it. All right, the circle of life. Now, in 1865, William Ross Wallace, that's on their test next week, he wrote a poem that ended with this, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. We thank you, moms, for being there and putting up with us. So we're in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul is writing to his beloved, this is his son in the faith. He just loves Timothy, no end. And I'm actually going to start earlier, there in verse 3. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers, night and day, and greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. Paul's in prison in Rome. This is his last letter, and he writes, he's about to have his head chopped off. Timothy knows it's bad. So the last time they saw each other, Timothy was just crying being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith, that's the key ingredient, the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. So here he is. We have a simple outline this morning. First, it's going to be stepping up, stepping out, because the background to this story is cuckoo crazy. I call it cuckooville where they were living. Then they're going to be stepping up, and the emphasis in their lives is the Bible. Finally, it's going to be stepping back. I have bye-bye when it's real, you realize uh, my part's kind of done for right now, the emptiness syndrome. My child, my son, my daughter is moving out. So stepping out, here's the background. I have a map of ancient Turkey, okay? And so that would mean Jerusalem's way down here in the southwest, southeast. Of course, Greece is way over to the west. So you have, this, uh, you have these two cities that he's going to talk about because Timothy grew up in this culture that was superstitious and then swayed very easily at the same time. So these, this, this is so important to get the, the gist of what's going on, especially at the end of the sermon. So these towns of Lystra and Derbe, that's where Timothy lived. And what went on in Lystra and Derby? Well, in chapter 14 of Acts, Paul goes there on his first missionary journey. He sees a guy, let me read it. He sees this guy who was crippled from, from birth. So in Acts 14, I'm reading now. In Lystra, Acts 14, uh, verse, verse 8. In Lystra, a certain man without strength in his faith in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul the apostle. 
Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leapt up and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, so this is a different dialect that Paul's not used to. He doesn't know what they're saying. The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And so this is how easily they're, they're superstitious. They think, they literally think Paul is uh, Hermes and, and Barnabas is Zeus, two of the main guys. So the, the, the main keeper of the temple, of the Zeus temple, brings out these bulls with garlands and, and the, everybody's all excited. They go, wow. And, and Paul doesn't know what's going on. It's in a different language. And instead of uh, going, hey, you know, I, I'm down for a barbecue. Obviously, we're going to have some great barbecue here. He doesn't realize they're saying superstitiously, the gods have come down and they're, they're walking in our midst. And Paul, when he finally figures out what's going on, he says, no, no, no. We're just like you. So they stopped worshiping him, okay? Then in Acts 9 and 14, they're swayed very easily. The same group of people who went from, we, we're going to worship you, now they stoned him to death because they were swayed very easily to the other side. What happened, if you put it together, people had an agenda. They came to Lystra, they stirred up the people with their propaganda, and they created a mob mentality. As you read through this portion of Acts, often you'll read the multitude, the multitude to multitude. So this is why it's crazy. They flip-flop very easily, very quickly. It's a lot like today. Last summer, the summer of 2020, we saw this happening in our streets, especially on the mainland, where there'd be a crowd, there'd be people who come in with an agenda, and they start this mob mentality and start burning down buildings. And you always think, how do they all have bricks? How do they get these bricks? Then you realize the bricks were delivered on pallets of bricks just around the corner from where the demonstration was. So it's a lot like today is my point. It's a lot like today. Now, how do you train up a child in such an environment? How do you exist in such an environment? So they step out. Now we're in Acts chapter 16. This is years later. Paul's going back to the same places uh, that we just mentioned on our map. He's going back there, and at this point, we know that Timothy, his mom, Eunice, his grandma, Lois, had all gotten saved, evidently the first missionary journey. So how did they spend the last several years? They spent emphasizing spiritual growth. Now, there's no dad in the picture. We know he's a, 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 a non-believer. Well, that's all we know about him. We uh, can assume he's still alive. He's just not a factor in this guy's spiritual life. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It shows that single moms or moms married to an unbeliever can still raise or train up godly kids. So at this point, when Paul went through... Evidently, Timothy, his mom, and his grandma all had this Romans 12-1 experience. You know, where Paul the Apostle is writing, we're in the book of Romans, and by chapter 12 he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Brethren means tone of voice because I love you guys. I love you. And, and so in light of all that God has done in 11 chapters of Romans, I beseech you to 
to lay your body as a, to present your body as a living sacrifice. All the other sacrifices are dead. You put a dead cow on the altar. He goes, no, you get up on the altar. By the mercies of God, that's the only way we can do it. This is that the, you're holy. You're acceptable to God. It's your reasonable service of worship. So in chapter 12, verse 2, he goes, and you know what? Don't be conformed to this world. Don't let them squeeze you into their mold, which is exactly what's going on today. Don't do that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the gap, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That happened in their lives, the three of them. Dad evidently was not interested. So that brings us to the stepping up. That was the stepping out of this crazy culture, a culture that will stone to death a guy, right? Dust off their hands, okay, lunch break's over, let's get back to work, and that was normal. That's how crazy it was. So now, Timothy's mom, Eunice, and the grandma, Lois, take it upon themselves, they're gonna train up Timothy to go big for God. You know, this doesn't always happen. We don't always have that goal in sight. For a lot of people, they were emphasizing, Eunice and Lois were emphasizing a spiritual life, but others emphasize education and, and a good job and financial security and get all these ducks in a row. Those are all good things. It's not to be denied. I have an education. I have a job. I have these things, but that's, I can have all those things and still go to hell. So moms, dads, May your emphasis be on the spiritual growth, not denying the other things, but especially not denying the spiritual side of it. So in 2 Timothy, later on, Paul's going to say, hey, Timothy, you must continue in the things which you've learned, meaning he's going back to the foundation as a child. He's going back to what your mom taught you and your grandma. See, in 2 Timothy, this guy is already a pastor of a church. He's going, I want you to remember your, your childhood. I want you to remember how it was growing up with Eunice and Lois and those moments by candlelight probably, before TV, before cell phones, before any of that stuff. He says, I remember it. I know they poured their, their, the Bible into you. So continue the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and watch this, that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures. Most kids I know memorize Scriptures in Sunday school, in children's ministry. I'm super impressed with the ones that memorize Scriptures at home. He said, from early childhood, this has been an emphasis. He said, you know what? The key ingredient is there, genuine faith. Genuine, it means the opposite of hypocritical faith. The opposite of the chameleon faith. You know, there's one color in the world switches colors when it goes to church. He goes, no, this is genuine faith we're talking about. So what does that look like? You model it. Mom and dad or mom and grandma, you have a, a walk with Jesus Christ. Let it shine. When I go to India to teach at Bible colleges, I have the students memorize Ezra 710. Because there's three ingredients here that need to be modeled. He goes, Ezra prepared his heart. That's key. That's key. I, I, I have disciplined devotions. Sometimes they're alive. Sometimes they're disciplined. Is that fair? 
And uh, I need to, before I open the Bible, prepare my heart. Lord, I want to hear something. I, give me hope. Give me something. You know, stir up my faith. Stretch me. Grow me as a Christian. So he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and then to pass it on to others, to teach it to others. That's what we need to do as parents where we're purposing in our heart to seek the law. Not to seek my opinion, not to seek advice, you know, but to seek the law of the Lord. I love how Billy Graham, when he was alive, he would be on Johnny Carson. I don't know if you ever got to see that. And Johnny, Johnny Carson was the original Tonight Show or maybe the second one. But he'd ask, Johnny, uh, he'd ask Billy Graham, hey, what do you think about, do you remember Billy's response? The Bible says. Okay, well, what about, what's your opinion on this? The Bible says, or Jesus says, or Scripture says, he'd always hide behind it. He'd, he would answer questions with what the Bible says. Prepare your heart to seek the law, the law of the Lord, and do it. Now, it's the life behind the lips. Don't you love that saying? Mom, it's the life behind the lips. It's more than just uh, do what I say. It's do what I do. So if I'm a parent trying to tell my kids how important it is to go to church and all I do is drop them off on the way to the donut place, what a hypocrite. Let's do what I say, not what I do. If I'm a parent, I say, there's, a, there's a, such an emphasis of being in the Word of God and I never even crack open my Bible, that's a hypocrite. But these had genuine faith. They were the real deal. So what does it look like? In Psalm 78, I just read this recently in devotions. It's pass it on. This is what you share. So I have it here in verses 5 through 7. For he, for God, established a testimony in Jacob in Israel and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. So he said, I want you as parents to instruct your children that the generation to come might know them. They're not even born. The generation to come, the children who would be born, and that they may arise and declare it to their children. So now it's reaching to your grandkids. So, and this is what, what he wants, that they may set their hope in God. Not that they would be slammed like you're never going to be good enough. Not that you'd be slammed like, man, there's so much sin in your life. You remind me of your dad or some stupid thing like that. Not, not to be put down but to just have a life that sets their hope in God. So what, is that, what does it look like? That was what to share. Now it's when to share. And, and so when to pass it on? In Deuteronomy 11, verse 19. Don't you love this? It says, recognize teachable moments. He even goes on to say, when you sit down, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up. What is he saying? Life. Life itself, way more than Sunday. Sunday morning, life itself. God's going to tickle that kid. And that kid's going to ask you a question. And it's, it's just this divine appointment. It's God setting the table for you as a parent to put something in their heart, something of the Lord. Now, recognize teachable moments because they're not always convenient moments. You know, especially when it's in traffic especially when it's, you know, behind the mask of the COVID and, and especially when it's just driving you nuts and you go all the way to the store and you didn't get the thing you need to get 
do the project when you get home, and now you're still stuck in traffic. And you just, I can't believe this day. I even gave it over to the Lord. And, and there's kids in the back seat. And of course, at the worst time, the kid goes, hey, mom, where do babies come from? And you go, not now. Jimmy, just not now. I'm focused on something else. And of course, the greatest response, go ask your father, just uh, where do babies, but just to, to see as you're walking along. Man, we have a lot of hikes in this church. What a great time to bring along a, a son or daughter and just explain about God's touch, God's creation of nature. When you're driving somewhere in the car, when you're at the beach, it's like everyday situations is what he's talking about. And God will put a question in that kid's heart. And they'll ask you, might be an inconvenient time, it might be a perfect time, but it's to recognize what a teachable moment. You know what, 20 years later, those are the moments you're gonna remember, especially on Mother's Day. Let me tell you what happened with my wife and our grandson. Our, our uh, kids, our grandkids, they love Grandpa and Nana. They love to spend the night at our house. We love them too. As long as they don't eat all my ice cream, they're fine. But one night, Steele, who's six years old, he's going to bed, and Karen goes in there putting him to bed. And they're reading some book. He just, you know, kids, they just love, read me a book. You skip the page. <laughs> You've been there? Read me a book. And so I, I don't even remember what book it was, but Karen turns to Steele and says, have you ever been born again? Have you ever asked Jesus Christ into your heart? And he said, no, I haven't. And so she said, would you like to? And at that teachable moment, literally as they were laying down, he prays and asks Christ into his heart. Now you go, oh, I'm six years old, get a grip on reality. You know what happened? Uh, one Sunday I went over to, to help out at the Sunday school, the children's ministry. You gotta do it. It's, you you wanna be blessed. So what they do for worship with the social distancing, they have these videotapes that have these great dance moves, okay? Nothing outrageous, but of course, Mr. Uncoordinated, I'm not, I'm going, what's this? What do you do this? And when do you do this? And, but Steele has him down, completely down. And he's in the back of the room, but he's doing every single move. So I tell Karen about this as we go home. And she goes, I want to see this. So Steele comes over one day. She goes, Steele, show me a, a worship song. He said, well, put one on TV. And he does, he's teaching Nana, who never danced a dance in her life. And Nana's just blown out that this guy loves to worship, starting from the Sunday school. But since he was born again, since he asked Jesus into his heart, he wants to have a party. I'm not making this stuff up. He wants to have a party where all they do is worship Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's how you were at six years old, right? Not me. You didn't get that from Grandpa. But what a teachable moment. What do you think Karen's going to remember 20 years from now? besides her wonderful husband. She's gonna be thinking of that time, what, wow, I could have been watching TV, I could have gone, just get to bed, kid. And instead, got to do a, such a privileged thing. So stepping up, what does genuine faith look like? How about this? 
What scriptures do you pour into your ch children? In Proverbs 3, 4, and 5, we all know, or 5 and 6, we all know the scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what a promise, he's going to direct your paths. But you can say, son, daughter, the Bible says to trust in the Lord. Not in your own wisdom. Not in anything else. But you can trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's not like 95%, but 5% is open to what the world has. With all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Do you know what that is? In the context... Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, you go to 8 and 9, 10, it's on giving. It's on giving. When it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, it says, give unto the Lord the first fruits and see what God does. You see, when you talk about trust in the Lord with all your heart, so many people go, except when it comes to money. So when it says, give of your first fruits, you go, that doesn't make sense to me. Because if I give, I'm going to have less. But the Bible says you give, and it'll be, you'll be blessed. We taught our kids how to do that. Well, it worked on one of them. And uh, I think Vanessa was 11, 12. She sent me and Karen to a hotel in Waikiki. She was really trying to get rid of us, but she was, she paid. She actually got a two-for-one night in a nice hotel and sent us to to town. And my wife said, how did you do that? She broke out her budget and all these columns, giving. Uh, one was M plus K. That was me and her. And it had $2 here, minus a dollar, plus $3, whatever, all the way till she saved up enough to send us to a hotel. Karen goes, should we just pay for it ourselves? I go, and rob her of a blessing? <laughs> no. But the thing is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You're, you're being sent out into a world that doesn't trust God. Many don't even believe in God. Son, daughter, you got to trust Him with all your heart. If you do that, if you, if you make every decision as like a first love for Jesus, God will direct your path. What a promise. You want to make it the best of your life? You want the abundant life? There's one way. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. How about 1 Samuel 2.30? It's easy to remember that, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, 0, where God says, those who honor me, I will honor. This is one that Karen and I did before we were married. We didn't know. We did, but we never kissed on the lips until the pastor said, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Mike, go for it. We never kissed until that moment. And I know, I know what you're thinking. You see these lips, how did she resist? I don't get it, you know. God parted the Red Sea, it's possible. She resisted kissing on the lips. But to think, that goes against the grain of what's going on today. And so as a mom, as a dad, passionately, lovingly, you can say, oh, honor God and watch what he does. You know what? We're almost at... In July 10th, we'll be 45 years married. It's almost embarrassing how much God has blessed. But it's reward. Thank you for that one person clap. That was really, really good. But it was it, 45 years later. Did we make the right decision? Are you kidding? So 1 Samuel 2.30, God will honor you if you honor him when no one's looking. And here's this one. 
emphasize who they are in Christ. Do you know you're of the royal priesthood? Those of us in First Peter in our Ohana groups, you're the royal priest. Do you know who you serve? You serve the king of kings. Do you know what you are? You're forgiven. You're a friend of God. You are destined to heaven as you rehearse who they are in Christ. You are more than conquerors. We'll get to that in, in Romans 8. And you're pouring into their lives who they are in Christ because this world is, has an agenda to try and remove that from their mind, to wipe it clean like, oh, I don't know who I am in Christ. I know who I am. I am forgiven. I am signed, sealed, and about to be delivered and glorified in heaven with him. That's who I am in Christ. And then you talk about emphasize Christ's commitment to them. Listen, it's not just when you're perfect. When you mess up, probably when you need to hear it more. Jesus Christ has made a commitment to you to never leave you or forsake you. Moms, dads, you can come alongside at the point of failure, at the point of suicidal tendencies. At, at the point of just uh, them giving up. And you can say, oh, no, 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 no. Christ has made a commitment to you. He will give you all of heaven's resources. They are a prayer away. They are a relationship away as you are one with him. You draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. Folks, you might only have 17 years if they live. 17 years. I left home at 17. I couldn't wait to get out. Nothing against my parents, but are you kidding? Those wings are ready to fly. And so at 17, I graduated high school. I moved 1,000 miles away to Florida to go to college or to go surfing. I guess my mom and dad were going through things. I don't know. I was just, I'm leaving. It didn't hit me until the day we're leaving, and my dad's out mowing the lawn because he's trying to do something my mom was doing something in the house, and I had one last run up the stairs to, to the bedroom to get something I forgot. And my dad came in, and so I'm up the stairway, and he goes, oh, oh, yeah. And I shook his hand through the railing, and I saw his eyes. And he's going, you got to be kidding. <laughs> 17 years? My mom could barely talk. It's over. It was never the same again. It was never the same again. 17 years. So that brings us to our third point, when it's time to step back and time to say goodbye, in a sense. Not forever, but someone said this. The easiest part of being a mom is giving birth. The hardest part is showing up 24-7. Folks, Marlene Nakamura did not say that, ever. Giving birth to Tyler, our worship leader, she will remind you, took 36 hours, okay? But I think a guy wrote that. But it's true as far as showing up 24-7. For many, it's the, the releasing that is the hardest. Just talk to people in this room who had to release their children. Say, okay, my nesting part is over. Before God, I hope I trained you up. Before God, I hope you understand spiritual warfare, that you have an enemy who wants you to think just because he's invisible, he's make-believe. He's out to destroy you. I hope you realize 
what's waiting for you out there. I hope you realize the life that God has for you. Jesus said, I send you out as sheep among wolves. I believe Timothy's mom and grandma have a whole new appreciation for that verse. Remember the map, Lystra and Derby? That's where there's, Paul said, hey, I want Timothy to come with me. I think he's ready. As a mom, would you say, yeah, I bear witness. As a mom, would you go, yeah, I, I see my part's done. I'm not stepping back. It's bye-bye time. Or as a mom, would you go, not on my watch. I'm not sending him out to Cuckoosville. Paul, you've been stoned to death, and you raise up. You've been whipped. You've been beaten with rods. You've been shipwrecked. No, my son's not going with you. There, what is it about when Jesus said, I send you on a sheep among wolves? What's so safe about that? It's not. It, the only way you can make that is having your eyes on Jesus Christ, having the genuine faith of launching out with Jesus Christ. So she's, oh, I have this whole new appreciation for not only that, but watching, knowing they're going to make some bonehead decisions. They're going to live with some crazy consequences. And yet, I got to take a step back, or I can make it worse. Timothy, at this point, he still had some growing to do. Do you realize at this point, after he's been gone, he's not perfect for the mom or dad as well, we failed. No, he didn't fail. He's still growing. He's got a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this is what he says. Therefore, I remind you, Pastor Timothy, this is decades after he left the house, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So here he is decades later. Mom might be out of the picture completely by now, and he's still growing. He's still battling with fear, with stomach issues, but he has someone in his life to tell him, Go big for God. Now, watching them enter, we're almost done. Watching them enter the school of hard knocks. Stuff I don't want to share. Growing up, my dad was a policeman, detective, then FBI. So that's why we ended up in Maryland, just outside DC. He did the 50 to DC every day big part of Watergate investigation, all that. He would always tell us, me and my brother, you mess up, you go to jail, you're on your own. Don't call me expecting me to, to bail you out of jail because I can lose my job if you mess up that bad. So uh, I go off to college. No mom or dad to keep me uh, with any limits. I ended up in jail. <sighs> it was the, the last night of finals in, in December. I think it was December 21st, something like that. We had just done finals. There's a big kegger party going on. I was, leave, I was flying home the next day to be with my mom and dad. My dad took off work from FBI to be with his son that we could hang, you know, the big bulbs around the light, the, do all that. Special time with the son. And I just went with the flow. Just party. Long story short, ended up in jail. 
So the next day, my mom and dad are leaving the house to go to the airport to pick me up. When the phone rings, I said, Dad, and he knew right away. I got picked up by the cops last night. And he goes, what are you going to do? Meaning, I am not bailing you out. You're ruining our Christmas. You're ruining my day off, but I am not going, oh, he learned his lesson. Oh, let's go bail him out. I don't care what promises. He says, what are you going to do? I, I thought, grow up. Dad wasn't being mean. He's being real, keeping his word. The key is, do you know what my mom did? She stayed united with my dad. She could have really messed things up. No, 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 my son, I guarantee you, he spent the night in jail. He's not going to, two weeks during Christmas break and New Year's Eve, he's not going to spend that down there. I'm getting him out. They just get out of my way. She didn't do that. She let my dad be the head of the household. She went with the flow. I'm sure her heart was just, ah, broken. And fortunately, I had friends bail me out of jail, got a ride home to Maryland from Florida, and got to spend Christmas break with them. But I learned a valuable lesson. So years later, I'm telling my kids, you know, if you go to jail, it's not going to look real good for me as pastor. And so the firstborn, Vanessa, she did pretty good, as far as I know. If she didn't, I don't want to know. She's old now. She's <laughs> married with three kids, so. My son didn't listen. And so I would tell him the same thing. Do not call. I am not bailing you out. You're going to, this is what God did in my life. Me do the same in yours. So one night I get this call from a, a, a jail here in Honolulu. Dad, the cops picked me up. I mean, it was almost 20 years later, just the instant replay. I said, what are you going to do? And he said, Dad, please get me out. I've learned my lesson. Please get me out. I've got to get out of here. I'm going nuts. And I was almost ready to break. I almost gave in. And then uh, I heard this guy, here, let me talk to him. Pastor Stangle, this is Sergeant so-and-so. I go to Calvary Chapel, Honolulu. I know you. Your son is fine. Leave him here. We got this. And that's exactly what I needed to hear. But you know what my wife did? She allowed me to be the head of the household. And she could have messed things up. Oh, our little baby's in prison. Let's get him out. He's learned his lesson. No. There's a bigger lesson to learn here. And she let me be the head of the household. Here's a few final words. How genuine is your faith, moms, dads, singles? You know, is there a life behind the lips? The life that says, do what I do. Follow my example. What emphasis do you place on the Bible? Do your kids know what Scripture says about a situation, or do they just know your opinion? That's not good enough. They need to be able to know why this is wrong and what Scripture says about it. What emphasis do you place? Do they, do they know you read the Bible? Do they know that you've read the whole Bible several times, that just, you listen to stuff, 
about the Bible? What emphasis do you put on it? Do you tell them that Jesus will watch over them as a good shepherd? Do you remind them that he's made a, an eternal commitment to them? And at this time, wonderful trust, abundant life. How about this one? As you tell them to trust in the Lord, do you follow your own advice? I think this, dads, everybody, just like, it's so easy to tell you what to do. Do I do it? Tell the kids, you got to trust in the Lord. Are, are you trusting in the Lord? You got to do this and follow through. Do, do I follow through? And finally, I want to leave you with a word of encouragement. Uh, we're going to have some worship right after this. And this is a great scripture. Let's not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Moms, some of you are doing an unbelievable job. Just you are the examples. You are training up and not just raising. And I want you to be encouraged today. A day we've set apart to honor, to bless you, but also encourage you. Your role's not done. It might have changed, but it's not done. Be an encouragement. May you receive your own counsel, your own advice, and pass it on. May you receive God's new mercies every day so you have something to pass on. And may you be blessed of God. Let's stand and close in prayer. Lord, again, we thank you for the moms here, for the mother figures, for the one this church would not be the same without them. We pray for true relationships with Jesus Christ. And even right now, if they're just burnt out and fried and no place to turn, may they find rest in Jesus Christ. May they find comfort and hope in a true relationship with you. This, may this not be simply a pep talk, but a direction to Jesus Christ, the reality of genuine faith, the reality of a relationship with you. May you pour out your grace, your strength, your wisdom, discernment, and fruitfulness that we could all train up godly kids those who honor you those who make a difference in this life we pray this in Jesus name Amen